He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Uh, it's post-Open Championship, post-Major Championship, T-Dub. Uh, it's the 3M this week, which normally wouldn't be that entertaining, but we got some of our boys, friends of the show, Quade Cummins, Austin Eckroat, uh, playing in the 3M this week, so we'll give our picks on that. Uh, we also had some big news in the game of golf this week as Taylor Moore wins on the Corn Ferry Tour of Edmond Memorial High School here uh, in the Oklahoma City area, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, I want to welcome in uh, a new sponsor of ours. We're now sponsored by uh, Clubby Seltzer. They are now the official seltzer of the 73rd Hole Podcast and Golf Oklahoma. Uh, Clubby Seltzer is a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma Staple Club Special, uh, official seltzer of slicing limes, not swings. Uh, the lemon and lime natural flavoring and only four grams of carbs, two grams of sugar, and 100 calories. Uh, the electrolytes, uh, it does not have artificial flavors, uh, and, and it's just all around refreshing on the golf course. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's a club special, and a seltzer mixed. I mean, what a great drink that is, T-Dub. Uh, and, you know, it's just the freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one seltzer in golf. Uh, so we could not be more thrilled uh, to have Clubby Seltzer on with us. Right, T-Dub? Oh, yeah, could not be more ecstatic. Thank you, Clubby, very much. And I look forward to having multiple Clubbies as we continue to produce our shows. Absolutely. So uh, go ahead and grab a Clubby, kick back, and relax. We're about to uh, bring on Jim Woodward. So uh, go ahead and enjoy this interview with our man, Woody. And now we bring in Jim Woodward, teaching professional out at Oak Tree National. And uh, Woody, I got to start off by giving it up to your pick of Scotty Scheffler. Uh, played well this week. Scotty Scheffler actually finished tied for eighth in the Open Championship. So I got to start off by saying great pick, Woody. Well, I don't know how great a pick it was. I just thought he was ready to, to do something. I mean, I was going out on a pretty big limb to say win. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I felt like he, he had the right shot to play that golf course. So of course, dumb me, I mean, so's Colin Maracala. <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. He, he, so, seems, he seems to have all the shots, Woody, when it sees it. Have, have, how many ball strikers in your life have you seen hit irons better than Morikawa does? You know, I can only think of two that I actually got to see him hit balls and one was Lee Trevino and the other was Ben Hogan. So wow. that's pretty. That's pretty good company to put him in. Um, I just, I'm just amazed at how 
Oh, I mean, it's proximity to the hole. Even though we say that, you know, that back nine, he hit some of the worst irons I've ever seen him hit. Um, but he was able to chip and putt. So when you when you do that, it doesn't matter really how bad you hit your irons. Yeah, I mean, speaking about Colin Morikawa's iron play, uh, Morikawa is on course to join Tiger Woods as, you know, one of the only players uh, to, you know, gain more than a shot and a half on the field. Uh, and that's, that's been – they've been tracking that on the PGA Tour since 2004. Tiger did it four different times, but uh, Morikawa's on pace to have more than a stroke and a half on the field. And so, Woody, my question is, what makes uh, Morikawa's iron game so consistent from a technical standpoint? Because uh, even compared to pros, he's uh, on a different level. Well, if, if you look at the, those guys I was mentioning, Hogan, Trevino, and him, if you look how stable their club face is throughout their whole golf swing, there's there's really much not much going on with that club face. It it remains so square, especially with the hitting area. Once he's reaching the golf ball with his irons, he has a he has a perfect shaft lean, and uh, his left wrist. And we call it bowing instead of cupping. Uh, it allows him to keep the club face square probably longer through the hit so that even miss hits on the toe and the heel still tend to not, you know, get way offline. Uh, almost any really good golf professional's left wrist is more bowed than it is cupped. There, there have been guys in the past that have played with a little bit more of a cupped wrist and, um, uh, Usually they uh, they're kind of hit and miss kind of players. Uh, Leishman comes to mind right now. He's one of the guys that has a little bit of cup on his, but most of them are kind of that bowed left wrist coming into golf ball, which just it just stabilizes the club face guys. That's why they they just don't mm-hmm. miss the ball very far offline. Rom's good at it too, by the way. Sergio Garcia is another one that's a really good position in the impact area. Yeah, before I get, get on to some more of the golfers this week, Woody, one thing I want to ask you from a great teaching professional like you are is, you know, people always talk about the, the left wrist um, you know, for a right-handed player at the top of the backswing and through the swing. Can you talk about how, because a lot of people don't talk, think about the right wrist as much as the left wrist. Can you talk about how the right the right wrist plays a bigger a big part in the swing just as much as the left does? Well, if, 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 if you look at actually an impact position in golf, the right the right wrist is it is cupped it's kind of bowed back towards your forearm the top of your forearm it's almost in a hitting position that you you see baseball players do it tennis players do it um now we're talking about right-handed guys you know mickelson backwards um but um if you if you can picture the perfect position at impact the left wrist and the right wrist the left wrist is bowed towards the target <laughs> and the right forearm is bowed towards the target so it's it's the most stable position when the club actually strikes the ball because as you guys know i mean the club head speeds are off the charts now so what what happens is the faster that club goes, the more stable it better be. That's why, again, Morikawa is always going to be more stable than, say, Bryson DeChambeau because the speeds of his swing are so much greater. But it is it is vital to be able to have that club in that position where both those wrists are working the same way. And 
if you don't, uh, well, that's when you're called an amateur or a guy that works for a living besides plays golf <laughs> because you can't you can't play consistent golf unless both those wrists are working the way I just explained. Yeah, I thought it was funny what you mentioned there, speed and, and Bryson, because that was a big talking point after, what was it, Thursday or Friday, when he blamed Cobra <laughs> for his driver being the reason that he couldn't hit a fairway. What were your thoughts on, on Bryson's remark? Do you think it was just another example of him being a crybaby? Well, uh, you know, Bryson, uh, he's just got to be so careful when he opens his mouth. I mean, he's far more intelligent than Jim Woodward will ever be. Uh, But you know what? I mean, even all the the brains in the world doesn't keep you sometimes from sticking your foot in your mouth. Um, I think what he needs to do is grow up. I think he just needs to uh, be a little bit more accepting. But you sure don't bite the hand that feeds you because Cobra's paying him millions of dollars. And I can promise you, Cobra's jumping through hoops to try to get him the best equipment they can possibly get. And and calling him out on national uh, press day and national television is probably not the way to get a Christmas gift this year. Or it's a real quick way maybe to not have a Cobra as your uh, club manufacturer. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, Woody. So I, I want to go back to Morikawa real quick. Um, you know, if you just look at the strokes gained, he's losing uh, 0.56 strokes gained putting on the season. But I went back and did some research, and in seven different tournaments, uh, he gained more than four and a half shots on the field uh, total, and obviously uh, was putting well in those tournaments. In the workday, the players, the RBC, the PGA, the Memorial, the U.S. Open, and then obviously the Open. Uh, did right. first, first, did you see anything uh, different in Morikawa's putting stroke this week? And is there any chance that uh, it might be a little more consistent in the future? Was this just another one of those hot weeks? Well, I think I think even I think he would be the first to, to tell you that that uh, he he uses the saw grip when he was kind of close this week. He used a longer the regular conventional grip, and and that's partly because these greens were a little slower. I, I would tell you that I would think that he would be a better putter when the greens are a little slower because he's a little bit more aggressive there. He wouldn't be so tentative. Um, I think Morikawa is is always going to be kind of a hit and miss with his putter, uh, whereas Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Ben Crenshaw, uh, Brad Faxon, I can keep naming them, but there's a number of guys that were really, really good putters, and they're really, really good putters all the time. Morikawa has his streaks, which uh, if I'm playing against him and he's having a good putting week, look out, because he doesn't falter with his ball striking. So um, where we've said it before, where, where God only gives certain individuals so much. Now, I think he gave Tiger a little bit more, but um, – if, if Morikawa could putt really good, I don't know that anybody can win a golf tournament uh, because he hits it so good. So, I don't know. It's kind of like golf only allows so much. And I think you're going to have streak weeks where Morikawa's going to putt really good. And when he does look out, I think he's going to either win or be on the leaderboard. But that means he's going to be always up there when we're talking about these majors, kind of like Kepka, um, uh, kind of like John Rahm starting to become um, – it's not that they win them now and then. It's that they play in them so well consistently. Those are the guys that you got to look for. Jordan Spieth, he, he plays in those majors awful good most of the time. So these are your guys that, that I say the future of major winners 
uh, you're starting to get a handful of them that are just really, really consistent. They're going to be the ones to watch. Yeah, I remember Woody a couple of uh, a couple of shows ago. You met, me made a comment and said the golf gods only allow you to make so many putts, and I believe that they right. bl- they bless some people more than others. And and this week, unfortunately, they didn't really bode well for for Spieth and Louie on the weekend. It was essentially a three horse race. Rom ended up finishing tied third, right. but he played great on uh, on the back nine Sunday to get up there. Who do you think right. is kind of more kicking themselves in the rear, Louie or Spieth? Well, I you know. I, from the standpoint of just week after week, I got to believe it's Louie. Uh, for that tournament in particular, I think it was Jordan Spieth. I think he lost when he missed those putts where he bogeyed 17 and then missed that short on 18 on Saturday. It kept him from getting in the final group. And that that doesn't sound that important, but for Jordan Spieth, I think it is. He likes to look that guy right now. He likes to go mano mano with him. And, uh, it, it it kept him from that, which is big. Uh, the bogeys, the first two bogeys he makes the front nine on Sunday. Uh, boy, that put him so far back behind the eight ball. Even as good as he played those next, you know, twelve holes, you can't you can't catch a guy like Morikawa, especially when he's making all those putts. Uh, now, you know, we've all said, you know, if if Morikawa would have missed a couple, well. You know, if they have some butts for candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. He didn't miss them, okay? He made them, and that's why he is holding a trophy right now, and Jordan is not. I think what 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 this is boding towards, though, is you can tell Spieth, he's real close to it. It looks like, like he's getting ready to go crazy again where he could win a number of majors, but his competition is, is not going to lay down for him, obviously, as you just watched. Woody, talk a little bit about the difference between uh, pressure to get into contention and then pressure once you're in contention. Like, it might be just me, uh, but I think that Spieth maybe felt a little bit of that uh, in contention pressure that he hadn't felt in a while. Uh, You know, when I saw the bogeys on 17 and 18 that were just horrible on Saturday night, and then you got to get off to a hot start to put some pressure on Morikawa and and, uh, Louie on Sunday morning. uh, then he started to play his better golf once he was chasing again, and I and I kind of thought that he was more comfortable as the chaser. Do you do you agree or disagree? And and talk a little bit about the difference in pressure. Oh, I think I think that that when you're when you're leading a golf tournament, and and I'll kind of surprise you with this, whether it's a major or regular golf tournament, or somebody trying to win the men's or women's club championship at their golf course. Um, you know, as I like to say, that that stuff you get in your neck. Uh, you know, we don't want to cuss on your show, but <laughs> um, it, once it's there, those butterflies. Once they're there, I don't, I don't think they're any greater. Believe it or not, I do feel like what you say, though, Sam, is a very astute observation because um, Jordan, he he hit a pretty good low there, guys, and we we kind of we moved on. We almost forget it, but. There's scar tissue, and if you think there isn't, you're wrong. I mean, there's there's things in the back of his mind that are still there. And so his comfort level is not as great as it was when he was just beating everybody's brains out there for a while. He's He's gone through some pretty tough times, so he's carrying a little, little bit of uh, baggage with him. And so when he gets under those situations – there's still that tendency to hit that foul ball off the tee 
and where his putter was always so good, now he tends to miss some short ones. So uh, I would say, Sam, you're right on with that, 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 that assumption that I think he's a better chaser right now than he's a leader. Uh, where um, I think Kepka's not as good a chaser. I think Morikawa's not as good a chaser. I think they like to get out like a, a good racehorse, and if they get the lead, they're hard to catch. Tiger was the same way, as we all know. I mean, he, he set the mark as far as once he had a lead, good luck catching him. Right, and then talking about Louis, with this tied for third finish, Louis Eusthazen has now been in third place or better after 11 consecutive major championship rounds played. Longest such streak since Tiger did it for 12 straight in 2000, just proving how well Louis has been playing. However, you know, when he gets up there with a chance to win on the back nine on Sunday, uh, it might might just be my observation, but I think he gets a little tight. Uh, like like T Dub said on the last show, I think his transition gets a little quick, and I also noticed that the putts he was getting to the hole the first three days, he was being a little more timid on and left short. Did you have any observations on Louie once he gets in contention? Because we saw it a lot this year, uh, and he didn't get the job done. Well, I think I think it's hard to play with a lead major because the first thing you don't want to do is really have a blow-up hole. So you you start thinking, okay, I'm going to make pars and just see what happens. And then before you know it, um, somebody jumps up there and starts making a run at you. And so then you put the, the heat on yourself to start making something different happen. Those days is so, so doggone good. But he reminds me a little bit of, of, of Shoffley. Um, doesn't seem like either one of them is really good at closing out that major. And um, I, I, whether they put too much emphasis on that it is a major, too much pressure on themselves, I don't really know. But you could you can tell, especially with Ustage and coming down the stretch, his golf swing doesn't actually look um, – the same on Sunday afternoon as it does say Thursday afternoon. And and you guys, again, good observation on your all's part that I think his transition is a little quick. His balance, is, which is normally impeccable, tends to get a little bit, uh, shall we say, suspect, mm-hmm. for a better lack of terms. It's not like Louie hits it way, way offline, but he, he hits it just far enough offline where he's not in the short rough. He's in that tall stuff. And uh, British Open is probably more penal even than the U.S. Open or any other major that they play. When you get off that, if you're not in that first cut or on the fairway, it it can be really dicey at the lies you might get. And and it just seemed like that's what his iron play wasn't quite as good, and he just missed a couple of drivers too far into the gunch. Yeah, to piggyback off that question, Woody, uh, you know, going back to the the swing uh, look of it, uh, Woody or uh, not Woody, uh, Louis had mentioned that 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 was something that he had been working on was he's not been able to complete his backswing, and that's what I noticed on, for example, on Friday, sixteen and seventeen, when he hit those wayward iron shots, swing was a lot mm-hmm. shorter than than it traditionally is, and so not, just for even the recreational player, like you mentioned, playing in their club championship, let's say they're on the fourth or fifth hole, and they start recognizing that their swing is getting into a fault that they know is wrong. How can, what is a good mental approach to kind of get out of that while not getting too technical at the same time? Well, I, I think I think what most people realize anytime they're nervous or anytime they're uncomfortable, they do everything faster. So right. I was always told when I was under pressure that I was supposed to walk slower, 
uh, breathe slower, uh, talk slower, which is really hard for me because I love to talk. <laughs> um, but I was told that just almost feel like you totally are decompressing. And those days, and from a technical standpoint, not to get terribly technical, he has a tendency in the impact area to kind of come out, come out of the shot or lose his spine angle. One of his teacher loves to work with him where he puts his butt up against a board mm-hmm. and we take his backswing, his butt stays on the board on his backswing. So he can make sure he gets a big enough turn that he can hold his butt onto that board. And then the main thing, when he comes in to approach the hit, he stays with that butt on the board. If you'll notice, sometimes he, he his butt will leave the board before he gets to the golf ball. We call that coming out of the shot or whatever it might be. At that point, you're, now you're depending on timing of your hands trying to square the golf club. Thursday, yeah, you're pretty pretty good at it. Uh, Sunday afternoon, last nine holes. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't like to take my chances with my hands trying to square the golf club. Your body really is supposed to do it. Yeah. And then, Woody, last question. I mean, we had seven majors in the shortest amount of time span ever. You have Bryson, Colin, DJ, Matsuyama, Phil, Rom, and Colin again. Uh, what are your th- What was your favorite out of those? And maybe what was your What will be your memory of these seven majors in such a short time span? You know, and that that's that's been what I've I've really been I love it. I I kind of wish now we had more majors. Um, you know, like Tampa has got five. Let's throw another one in there somewhere. But to have that many of them has been really great for golf, in my opinion, because it's put us in the in the in the headline a, a number of times, which normally we don't get that. Um, Oh, sentimentally, I just love the fact that a fifty-year-old could still win a major. That yeah. that that was that was pretty doggone cool. I mean, you know, when it gets right down to it, the other thing I take from those seven is that this this Morikawa is a real deal. This boy can play. He he is not going to go away. If if you look at the future of golf, it's very bright. Even though we we had the icon of icons in Tiger Woods, we we couldn't. We couldn't live on him forever, guys. We had to come up with a different plan. Um, you take this Morikawa, you take Kepka, you take John Rom, you take Jordan Spieth. All of these guys have got well, Rom doesn't. He's only got one, but most of them have multiple uh, majors under their belt before they're thirty years old. Um, they're all really good guys. I mean, you know, the one thing that I'm most proud of as a golf professional is that golfers are still. I think the most gentleman athletes of anybody in the world. I think they're just just pure good people. Um, they don't bash and they don't talk nasty about our country or anything else. They they go out and they do a job, and then they're very humble when they lose, and they're very uh, humble when they win. So um, I think our, our future looks great. These seven majors, to answer the question, I, I take call them a Colin and uh, Morikawa out of this and uh, Phil Mickerson, my two favorites. I would agree with that, Woody. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the Oak Tree guys in the news really quick. Uh, Taylor Moore locked up his tour card this past week. Uh, he's from at Memorial. Yeah. And then this week, you know, Austin Eckro and Quake Cummins will be playing in the 3M. Uh, so any thoughts on that, Woody? Well, I mean – Again, how great does the future look? Uh, and, and we're so fortunate in Oklahoma that we can we, we have all these young men that are so doggone good. 
Um, I, I'm excited for the boys getting to play 3M. They're starting their careers. I'm really excited uh, that Moore won and is going to get his tour card because I know he's worked really hard to get there. Um, I think the future is wonderful. I, I'm I'm excited for these boys, and uh, I look forward to seeing them roaming around Oak Tree and uh, getting to shoot the bull with them now and then. It just what it's like to hit it 350 yards. I don't know. <laughs> well, we appreciate it, Woody. Thank you for your time. Uh, go get a lemonade again because, I mean, it's a hot day out there. <laughs> it is that. I got to go do some weed eating right now. I'm pretty excited about it. Thank oh, that you. sounds fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Have a good I one, think Woody. I'd rather go get a root canal, but I'm, 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 I'm going to go ahead and do some weed eating. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See you, Woody. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Easy, baby. <laughs> we have we have the fireman uh music intro right there uh because my fire alarm t-dub beeps every 30 seconds and neither of us can figure out why and colby's gone so we're doing it in my house and this thing is annoying dude I, i've been here for i've been here for five minutes before this and and it, it already annoys me to death <laughs> it's like shut up <laughs> I mean, look at it. Like you mentioned, there's a green light on there, so it's not dead. And then you think it stops, and then it's just like, beep. <laughs> and you're like, oh, we got it figured out. And the one at our place messes up, too. And for if any of our listeners out there know how to fix fire alarms, they seem to be like the most confusing instrument ever created. <laughs> it's like you would think that something that's supposed to protect you from fire, carbon monoxide, all this stuff that can kill you. I, I would, hope it's not a carbon monoxide thing. I, yeah. <laughs> Colby would pick the wrong week to get <laughs> the, the, the right week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah, in this case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think that a carbon monoxide alarm would be a little bit louder and, and more and, annoying. And it wouldn't beep green at you. Hey, you're good to go, you know? <laughs> you're that, good to go. Yeah. If, hey, if I don't wake up tomorrow, you know why. <laughs> but anyways, T-Dub, uh, let's get into a little bit uh, of local golf here around the state. We have the State Am going on up at Cedar Ridge, up in Tulsa, my favorite course, uh, maybe in, or definitely in Oklahoma, maybe in the entire planet. Uh, Cedar Ridge is just my favorite place to play golf. I'd be a member there if I lived in Tulsa. I love it up there. Um, but anyways, T-Dub, uh, uh, update us on some scores going on up there in Tulsa. 
Yeah, so currently we got the uh, looks like we got the semifinals going on right now, or I think this is actually to get into the semifinals. So currently we have so it'd be the quarterfinals. So currently Dylan Teeter, who we saw up at uh, Forest Ridge, Sam, mm-hmm. he's four up with uh, through ten. Mini so, Bruce Arians, right? Yeah, the mini Bruce Arians, maybe uh, the skinny <laughs> Bruce Arians. We should say yep. that, uh, and he's four up through ten, so he's looking he's looking solid. Jake Bray is two up through nine. Austin Hanna's one up through eight, and uh, Luke Phillips is two up through eight as well so i mean yeah some really good golf being played how, how many times did you play stadium sam oh i mean i played it a few times i remember the one time that uh i shot the lowest score at the uh qualifier here in oklahoma city i lost first round at southern hills so that was a good memory <laughs> <laughs> um, what year was that oh that would have been like 2017 i think uh so that was a long time ago but i also want to give a shout out uh to my guy caleb price he did not play college golf he actually played college baseball uh and made it all the way to the round of 16 today just ran into an absolute buzzsaw austin Hanna uh there in that first match this morning i think austin Hanna is currently playing do we have live scores on this t-dub or or not yet until the quarter or Till the uh, semifinals. Well, it says the score, but I can't click on the hole. Let me see if I can uh, see exactly where the where they stand on the holes. I don't. They definitely don't have shot by shot. Um, I think it's updating after each hole, but I can't. Uh, I can't click on it for some reason to track and see. I'm, I'm probably just not working the computer right. <laughs> it's all good. We'll, we'll update everyone uh, on how the state am goes later in the week. Um, T Dub. How many times did you play in the stadium? Oh man, I was trying to think, trying to think about that earlier. Um, it, I, I played in once at Southern Hills with you. I, it was just a little bit before. I think it was 2012 when they had it, and that was one of the funnest tournaments I played in, and one of the ones I regret the most because you know it's kind of like you said when in match play it's different than stroke play in a sense unless you miss like a four footer on the last hole to lose by one or something. Mm-hmm. You just think of all kinds of different shots and moments in the match where you say, "Man, I could have." Gained a, or I could have won a hole here when you, when you lost one, vice versa. Missed a lot of short putts and things like that can uh, come up and, and bite you. But the thing is, you got to learn from them as opposed to being mad. And I actually played um, one of the state ends at Cedar Ridge. I think it was back in 2010. I lost to uh, Colton Staggs back in the day. Back, yep. you know, so obviously that's not a. And he uh, won it when he was like 14 years old. Down right? to territory, yeah. No, yep. I, I didn't play in that one, but uh, but yeah, no, he he was a phenomenal player back then, still is. And so I didn't take too much loss in, in that one because. That was back, I remember that tournament, Sam, it had rained for like three weeks. So Cedar Ridge did not mow the rough like the entire time. Wow. I mean, it was, you You lost, you would lose balls if you got off the fairway. It, yeah. it was that bad. And you know how tough that golf course plays anyway. And so yeah. that's one of the things, too, I like about match play in the sense of you don't have to set it up necessarily as fair as you do a stroke play tournament because you don't have to worry about guys shooting 30 over par because if someone's 18 over, they can still win if the other guy's 19 over. Yeah. So that's all that really matters. And I think it's one of the great tournaments, not just really in the state, but around, around this region because like we Woody mentioned earlier, we mentioned Taylor Moore's on the PJ Tour now, and all uh, Quaid and Austin are both playing this week on the tour. So along to go with Michael Gellman, Reen Gibson, and other guys of, are doing well that have played in this stadium as well, like Brendan Jelly and Hayden Wood. Yeah, and know. one thing I mentioned about your boy Caleb Price, he played uh, college baseball where I played college golf at OC. Yep. So OC. we had a pretty good team. But man, Caleb, if you're going to win two matches, you should come out and play golf with us, man. Come on. <laughs> he probably would have enjoyed that a lot more than he enjoyed is baseball uh so uh we got the 3m this week uh last time uh who won the 3m last year uh michael thompson michael thompson won it and the year before that uh 
Matt Wolf won it, and kind of that was his breaking out party after leaving Oklahoma State. So we've seen some really good tournaments uh, at the 3M. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But T Dub, I saw an interesting stat today, and I want to pull this up for you. So I know you always say that I don't respect the legends, T Dub. I don't respect old golf. No, that's not true. I don't. It, I don't respect old bad golf and and so I was actually going back and and I saw this tweet from PGA Tour uh, on Twitter and it says five plus wins by the age of 25 since 1970 so you have Tiger Woods the goat at 24 and then I want to see if you can name some of these guys on this list and there's about 20 names on this list of five plus wins before the age of 25 and this is since 1970 right um, let's see here. So, so like Jack and Arnie won't count, right? Because they're, they're too early. Correct. So, so they're not on the list. Okay. Um, let me see. Greg Norman. Greg Norman is not on that list. Uh, well, uh, good first in strike. I'll just go with some easy ones. Spieth, JT, Morikawa, yep. um, Bryson. So hold on. Spieth is at 11. So there's two guys ahead of Jordan Spieth. Remember that Tiger's at 24. Uh, two other guys that we haven't named. So, Rory. So it goes Tiger, blank, blank, Jordan Spieth, blank, Justin Thomas at eight. Uh, and then Rory is at six. Uh, so you got, you, did you, you said Morikawa, obviously. Uh, and then there's a few more names. Let me see here. So before I'm trying to think before the age of 25, who won five? Let's see. I don't think DJ's on there, is he? DJ is not. I wouldn't think so. He's a little bit of a late bloomer. Kepka's a late bloomer, so yep. he's not on there. Um, let me see here. Cantlay was also a late bloomer. Man, this is man, Sam, you posed me with a tough question here today, my friend. Especially when you say there's twenty it's, it's tough to But stop. we're going back uh, oh uh Rom. John Rom is not on there. Wow, wow, man. This is uh this is intense. Man, who am I I'm not thinking of? Let's see. Five tour wins. Hovland's not there yet. Um Berger's not there yet. Um, I think uh you gotta go, go you gotta think a little older. Older, okay. Um well you go back to nineteen seventy. Uh let's say someone random like Sevy. Uh Sevy is not on there. He's a little too European. Um I mean, did you say Jack? I, I I asked if Jack. Okay, counted. yeah, I couldn't remember if uh, you said Jack. Jack is at twelve. There's one ahead of Jack in between Jack and Tiger. Okay, so let me see here. Since nineteen seventy, before the age of twenty five, um, man, who else was a stud when they were younger? I've already said Rory Speed. Man, is it someone obvious? No, really. Um, let me see here. Uh, Nick Price. It's not Nick Price. Man, I, I, I'm wasting time here, Sam. It is Horton Smith. Wow. But it doesn't make sense because didn't Horton Smith win the 1934 Masters? Did the PGA Tour mess up here because it says since 1970? Yeah, no, that's what I was, Yeah, that's very confusing. Yeah, because that doesn't make any sense yeah, at all. Look yeah, look at this. I, yeah. I tweeted it out. I said the PGA Tour basically messed up on this thing. Yeah, it's plus five wins by age 25 since 19... I mean, 1870? I think they might have meant eighteen seventy. I mean, there's. I mean, there, what? What is? What are the people commenting? <laughs> the, comment, the comments say since nineteen seventy, Horton Smith died in nineteen sixty three. Wow! But, but my point of this is disregard the since nineteen seventy part. 
Horton Smith did have 17 uh, wins before the age of 25, and that includes uh, not only the 1934 Masters, but the 1928 Oklahoma City Open. Really? Yeah. Does it say what course it was at? It does not say what course I wonder it was if at. It I could would... look it up. I, I bet it was Quail Creek or uh, Twin. Twin Hills. Yeah, probably so. Maybe Oklahoma City Club. They held They held. And more. then here's some of the other names on this list. You have Paul Runyon, Gene Sarazen, Jerry Pate, Harry Cooper, uh, Victor Gessie, uh, Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson, and then Colin Moore. Well, how did I not guess Phil? That was absolutely atrocious to not say <laughs> that. What in the world was I thinking? So, but nevertheless, that list is very misleading. I wouldn't. How am I supposed to guess a guy that passed away qu- I was, before 1970? I was, I was trying to trick you, but I was <laughs> because the PGA Tour had a typo. Uh, they might need to hire a new social media guy uh, there at the PGA Tour because I have seen uh, some people hot on. Twitter about the PGA Tour stealing stats from our guy Monday Qualifier. Really? Yeah. So, and tweeting them out about an hour and a half later. And not giving credit back. Yep. Wow, that's 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 pretty deceiving there. Yeah. At least whenever we give stats, we say where the uh, where the source was. Yeah, Plagiarism, exactly. man. Plagiarism. Uh, but anyways, let's talk a little bit about the 3M and talk a little bit about where they're playing this week, Tito. Yeah, so this is one of the few tournaments. It's similar to, like, uh, the Rocket Mortgage where they went to Detroit. They haven't had this tournament for very long. This is only the third year they've had it, Sam, and it's up in, up in Minnesota. So, I mean, if you're going to have a tournament in Minnesota, this is really the only time of year to have it because you're not, not going to have snow on the ground. So that's good. Um, here, we'll go ahead and jump into this, Sam. What do you think the strength of field is this week? The strength of field this week, man, uh, it's not a terrible field this week. Um, give me 172. 172. Not too far off. It is exactly 222. So if okay. you love the number two, then you would love this strength of field. Um, DJ being the number two player in the world boosted up. You got Louie, who's the ninth, Reed's the 13th, then Excuse me, Finau is the 19th, and then you drop all the way down to uh, Matthew Wolf, local guy, who is 38th. So you don't have anyone between uh, 20 and 37 in the field. So a little bit of top heaviness, but then it kind of drops off from there, Sam. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, am a little bit surprised that Louis Eustazen is coming over playing in the 3M uh, this week, along with Dustin Johnson. But DJ uh, might be getting a little bit of form before he takes a little bit of break uh, before you know the playoffs and then the Ryder Cup and he's going to have a big stretch of golf coming up right there um who what do you think about uh guys that are that data golf really likes this week such as a guy like Tony Finau or Emiliano Grillo uh or Keegan Bradley this week and throw Sergio in there as well yeah I I think that it's kind of one of those tournaments we talk about all the time when the strength of field is a little bit lower. It opens up the field to more players. And I think that, obviously, if you have someone like DJ or I know Fina hasn't really proven himself to win, but he has the talent. If We'll just throw DJ as the example. If DJ goes out and plays his best golf, he's going to win the tournament. And, yeah. I mean, and there's no doubt about it. Just I totally because, agree. Just because he's the most talented in the field. For the record, Data Golf has Louis Oosthuizen as a 6.4% chance to win. They have Dustin Johnson as a 5.6% chance to win. So Data Golf actually disagrees with us. You have to think that Louie has to be a little exhausted. Yeah. Not, not just physically, but mentally from it's last jet week. Jet lag coming back the other way. He had the lead after each round of a major. That's stress in itself. And then yep. it compiles, and then you didn't. You don't end up closing the Is deal. Is Louie playing in uh, the Olympics? 
I think he is. Now I'll, I'll triple we'll check. We'll have to triple check that. I, I haven't been up on my South African Olympics uh, team talk, but lately. But uh, just talking about Dustin Johnson real quick. I think that DJ is a, finding a little bit of form. He just needs uh, to be putting the ball a little bit better. You know, it, it, we've talked a lot about how it's kind of like John Rahm and Dustin Johnson have kind of switched places since this time last year, and I think it's because of the putting stats. If you go back to twenty. 20, uh, you know, DJ was gaining 0.38 strokes gain putting. Uh, And while you say that might not be that great uh, with how well he was hitting the ball off the tee in 2020, he was gaining 0.8 shots off the tee. Now, if you go to 2021, he's only gaining 0.16 shots putting. So, and then off the tee, he's only gaining 0.64. So it's not necessarily terrible, but it's not elite like the guys like John Rahm uh, or Louis Eustazen that we've seen uh, that have been really good in strokes gained this year. And it's not really even close to a guy like Colin Morikawa so far in 2021. Uh, So what do you expect going forward here for DJ? I think that, and remember, this is kind of, this was the tournament that DJ last year, he withdrew from because he was about to shoot 80-80. And yeah. so he, he basically just withdrew. And then that's when he kind of starts on his run, Sam. He goes T12, T2nd, win, 2nd, 3rd, 6th, 2nd, 1st, 11th, 1st, 8th. So, I mean, but then after that, he's kind of starting to ravel off 54, 58th. 28th miscut, um, 13th, 48th miscut again. So, and it has come back a little bit with a 10th, 19th, 25th, and a top 10 last week at the Open. But it's just whenever you look at DJ, you expect the what what we saw at the end of last year. You expect the monumental, great golf, just the cannot be beaten in any tournament he plays, guaranteed top five finishes. And it's just it's hard to keep that going for a long period of time. And I I I truly believe though I think he's on a a track of getting back closer to where he was at the end of last year as opposed to a guy who's going to be withdrawing before 36 holes is over because he missed the cut. And I will say this, Sam, we asked about it earlier. Louis is not playing in the Olympics. He declined. The okay. South Africa team is uh, my boy Garrett Kigo and my other boy, uh, C. Bezel. So, oh, that, that's your squad right that, there. That, 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 that squad is stacked. T-Dub would be carrying the South African flag and, and, around Japan this if, week. If, uh, if DraftKings has a lineup set for the Olympics, we know which team I'm picking. And remind me when the Olympics start. Is uh, it on a weekend or is it during the week? I think it's I think it's the same. I think it's Thursday through Sunday. Okay. But I think they start not I think they start exactly next week. Yeah, because there's no PGA Tour event that week. Correct. Yeah. And yep. then after that we go into the uh, the FedEx St. Jude uh, WGC and there's an opposite field event that week gotcha. as well. And and so I I mentioned Tony Finau, T Dove, and a lot of people might be saying, you know, Tony Finau was balling at the start of the year, uh, and he hasn't really dropped off. But we haven't been talking about him as favorites for tournaments, and and been really up there in contention, at least in any uh, big time events. And I think uh, that it's a little bit of the same thing that DJ has been battling. If I look at Tony Finau's stats here, he's gaining .72 shots approach, which which is really good uh but putting he's actually losing uh 0.03 shots so he's basically uh not gaining any shots on the field putting while every single other uh elite player is uh you know and so I think that Tony Finau 
if he can get somehow the putter rolling at least a little bit, we'll start to see his name up there more often. And I think it's more of a positive than a negative because I feel like sometimes, like we saw with Morikawa, a guy can find something in his putting stroke uh, and then just get super hot. Yeah, I completely agree. Here's one thing. Well, actually, there's two things here that I'm noticing on Fina stats over the last six months. One of them that's a little concerning is he's only gaining .38 off the tee. You look at some of the guys that are above him, they're in the .45 to .59, .7 range. Um, someone even like Hovland, who doesn't hit as far as Finau, is .77. So I think Finau maybe have it not as good as going with the driver as he would like. But also, Sam, he's gaining .53 around the greens, and that's – Strokes gain around the green is the ultimate stat where the number doesn't look as big as it truly means because the only way you can really gain upwards of close to a stroke around the greens is if you literally hold chips. That's the only way to do it because everyone on the tour gets up and down. Yeah. So every little point in that um, aspect matters. So for Fina to be gaining over half a stroke around from around the greens goes to show that he's got a little bit of confidence in the wedges, which is something that from a big brute, you know, to six four guy like Fina, you don't yep. really expect to see that much. I, I totally agree with you, T-Dub. And then same exact thing with Emiliano Grillo. You know, I look at his stats, gaining .73, strokes gained approach, .37 off the tee. Both of those are really good tee to green stats. But then I look at his around the green and putting stats, uh, and he's not gaining any shots in either category. Uh, and we saw him play some really good golf at the open last week in round two he gained 6.36 shots uh and shot a 64 in round two at the open championship uh but he needs to find that consistency and I do think he's one of the great young players but he just needs to find that short game uh and last year you know he almost lost a full shot putting uh so his putting stats have actually improved on last year but he really needs uh to get hot with the putter if he wants to contend in any of these PGA Tour events yeah it's kind of he has a almost almost the exact opposite short game that that Fina has right now. Uh, Grillo's losing point three three strokes around the green, which once again doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is because that means that you are if you have a standard chip, you're chipping it to five feet as opposed to three feet. And we talk yeah. about how each foot, whenever you're close, is about ten percent. So he's about twenty percent less likely to just chip it out to two. And feet. remember that when we say he's losing point three three. That's just on the field, not on the guys that are winning the tournament. Yes, correct, correct, absolutely. Yeah, because if you're winning the tournament, you're in the major plus category yeah. on, on all these, essentially. And Grillo, you want to talk about a streaky son of a gun. So here, I'll read off, like you said, he played pretty good at the Open. I'll read backwards his tournaments. T12th last week, miscut, 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 T8, T38, T14th, miscut, T2, T6, miscut. So be aware of that if so, you are thinking of putting him in DraftKings. You can go hot or you can go not with Emiliano Grillo. And it's it's you look at him, he's ranked sixty seventh in the world, so he's he's been able to boost it up even with even with some of his streaky plays. To start the year, Sam, he was a hundred and fifty ninth, I believe or hundred and fifty sixth in the world. And now he's all the way up to sixty seventh. So he's gained over a hundred points or close to a hundred points in, in world rankings, so or not points, but moved up a hundred spots, I should say. And so I mean he's like you said, with him being he's another one of those guys, Sam, that's just young and doesn't really get looked at that much until he's gonna he's gonna have to rattle off a couple wins even I think before he starts getting his recognition or at least not, not miss you know five out of ten cuts miss half your cuts even if the other half you're finishing inside the top 15. Yeah no doubt and then the last guy I want to ask you about T-Dub you know the the 10th ranked guy this week on data golf for the 3M championship is none other than the captain 
Steve Stricker. I mean, Steve Stricker is still doing it at his age and doing the the Ryder Cup stuff, or really playing golf on the side and mainly doing all the Ryder Cup captaincy things uh, that he has to do for that job. Uh, And he's still consistently playing good golf on the year, not only on the PGA Tour, but on the Champions Tour as well. Uh, If I look back to the Bridgestone senior players, he he gained 7.15 shots in in the first round, 63, uh, and went on to win that event, if I'm not mistaken, right, T-Dub? Yes. And then, you know, his putting stats really aren't great on the season uh, you know he, he's really just consistently solid and if you're looking for a guy uh, on your DraftKings lineup that I think will make the cut on a course like the 3M that isn't the toughest out there uh, I think that you go with a guy maybe like Steve Stricker you could possibly find some value there yeah there's I think there this tournament Sam I think there's a lot of middle value especially in the mid to seven thousands yep. I think Stricker's right in that mix I I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you whenever I first put my DraftKings together, Stricker was in there. And there's just so many guys around that area. I went with some, went with a couple of other guys who I think potentially have a chance to we'll win do, the win the tournament. Yep, yep. we'll just, do our DraftKings in a second. But I want, uh, do you remember what Steve Stricker was at on DraftKings this week? He, he's 7,500. Yes. 7,500. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and and the reason I, I took him out is because I think he's a perfect guy to make the cut. I, yep. I, I do think that, but I don't think. That I I'm I would be shocked to see a waste management type of performance where he's just out there on cloud nine because like you said I think he's got a lot going on when it comes to off the course with Ryder Cup stuff because I whenever I was down yesterday talking with my dad Sam we pulled up the Ryder Cup standings and Stricker's got his work cut out for him I mean that list is getting tight and I think one of the biggest questions you got to have is do you, do you put Phil on the team I, I truly think that is maybe the biggest question that, I think or, uh, Phil m- might m- have, that might be the second biggest question behind if do you put Reed on the Phil team Phil might have shot himself out of the team this past week shooting an 80 in the first round of yeah. the open so I mean that's that's a lot of stuff to look at he's got six he's got six captain picks opposed to four like he normally has so if it's you if it's captain T-Dub are you putting Phil on the team with the other guys that I looked around them that were that have been playing good, because some of the names that you would have to choose him up against are, for example, like Cantlay, um, yeah. Daniel Berger, um, Woody's pick, Scotty Scheffler. That's a good question. Would you rather have Phil or Scheffler on the team? I'd rather have Phil than Scheffler, I but I would, would rather too. have Cantlay than Phil. I would rather have Cantlay than Phil. I'd rather have Berger than Phil. Finau was down there, too. Would you rather have yeah, Finau? I'd Phil? rather have Finau than Phil. I would, Phil. too. Even, even with Finau's bad putting stats, like we've said. Um, well, yeah. I'd still probably lean towards Finau. He's just more consistently good. I'll pull. I'll pull it up. We'll, we'll kind of dive into this for just a quick second because I find it fascinating because the top six is essentially secure. You got Morikawa, DJ, DeChambeau, Kepka, which is probably going to be the team that we see the first how many ever rounds because they just love each other so much. <laughs> and then we'll have we got JT and Shoffle are in. That's the top six currently. Spieth has moved up to seventh. So and you have to think he's going to be picked. Then you get down. This is where it starts to get tricky. Eight, you got Reed, which we've talked about forever. Harry English is ninth. I mean, is he he just won, but is he really that secure of a pick? I think and, that he is. I I I love his swing. I so. even like his like this past week he played terrible in the first round, shot five over, came back with like a five under in the second round to make the cut. It's grittiness like that that you want on the Ryder Cup team. I, I, I probably agree with you there, Sam. All right, so that that's the top nine. Then we drop down. We have Cantley at ten, Berger at eleven, Fina at twelve. 
Now listen to this. Then we got Webb at 13, Scheffler at 14, and then I, you got Kokrak at 15, Horschel at 16. Unless one of those two starts winning, wins a couple events, I don't think they're in. But you got Phil at 17. So the question is, you got 13 at Webb, you got 14 Scheffler, and you got 17 at Phil. Are any of those guys worth putting in over any of the other top 12? I don't or know. I guess and then you had 12? Daniel Berger play really good golf at the Open. You know, I, I think that you probably just roll with how it is, and you might throw a Webb Simpson in instead of a Tony Finau or a Daniel Berger. Would you throw Webb in over Reed? No. I, I want Patrick Reed on that team. I, I, I honestly, I need to know how everyone else feels about Reed. The other, I would say, obviously, it's hard. You don't to have every- to get along with all the other guys. You just need to get along with one guy. Well, well, we know that Bryson and Brooks aren't going to get along, so we already know there's going to be feud in, in the room. I maybe Reed can be a distraction to that feud. Well, we know. All right, let's go through here. I, I go go back up to the top. So more, I think more you compete. Ka- I think you compare Reed with Morikawa. I think you compare Reed with Xander. I think you could – well, he won't pair him with Jordan Speed after <laughs> no, last no. time. Uh, I think you could pair th- him with Harry English or Cantlay. Hasn't or, Xander came out and said some stuff about Reed? Or yeah, Xander was the one that was super outspoken about it. So yeah, count so, him off. Uh, yeah, okay, so he's so, not playing. You yeah. can pair him with Cantlay, I guess. Yeah. It, and Finau's the nicest guy on tour. He'll get along with anybody. I mean, what, are you going to pair him with JT? No, no you can't absolutely. pair him with JT. No, I think know. you would go Reed and Finau. If you put Finau on there. I, I think that's the other thing that makes the great point is because you think about the team so much and not even just from a – you have to eliminate so many people. You would probably people. go Reed and Morikawa. You, you if, if you're going to have Reed on the team, you have to, but whenever you create teams, you have to orchestrate it based off of their type of games too because you don't want a wayward guy like Phil, per se, in the alternate shot as much because yep. he's going to put you in horrible spots. And – I just look down. And I look. I look at guys. I look at Webb Simpson. I look at Scheffler. I, I look at team, Phil. And I, yeah, I think a team like a Patrick Reed and a Morikawa makes sense, especially in an alternate shot format, because Reed can put it in the fairway and and let you know Morikawa take advantage of his iron play, and then Reed's a way better putter than Morikawa has ever dreamed of being consistently. Not this past week, but Reed. I mean, Morikawa actually putted like Reed does uh, when he's playing good, but. I think that that team actually does make sense a little bit. And and, and here's a few things to put into perspective. One is that up until the singles match, not everyone has to play. Like, you don't even have to play until the singles come up. Right. You know, because they play, you'll have 12 members, but you play, you'll have four matches, and you'll have eight players each match, essentially. Yeah. And so you can can bench players if you want to, if they're playing bad, whatever you want to do. But just the fact of you have to orchestrate the team so well and I remember Paul Azinger brought it up whenever – that's like one of the few things that we can actually talk good about Paul Azinger about is the fact that he was the captain of the 2018. <laughs> and they were like, well, what did what did you do to – because we had to the go platoons, figure – platoons, right? Is yeah. Is that what he called the, it? The pods. The, the pods. The pods, yeah. yeah. And you had to put put your two players and get, get, get them to know each other, be more friendly. Essentially what it was was the two players would spend a lot of time together and so they'd have a lot more team chemistry because they felt like that's what the European team side brought more than the Americans. And I – I just – you already have Brooks Bryson that you can't pair together, and you have to look at it so much on their games. I just wonder if – I wonder if Reed is that big of a handicap to the American team. Would What about a Bryson-Reed pairing? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense, though, right? The bomb and gouge. That would be – 
I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, I'm extremely patriotic, but that would that, be the one team that I would root for Europe. Yeah. Like how could you root for that team? Like, God, that would be so hard. That would be, I'm rooting for that to happen now, man. And one thing we got, we got to consider he's, he's, he's a decent amount of points behind six, but if Reed goes out and wins a tournament before they have to finalize all this, I mean, he'll just move up and secure a spot. Oh my gosh, T-Dub, we are getting a call from none other than the great Colby Powell. Should we answer it, T-Dub? Oh, we have to. After last, after we his last call in, we have to. We shouldn't send him the voicemail? Should we, right. we hit the F-U button? All right, we'll, we'll answer it. We'll answer it. Here we go. Normally yeah. it take longer than that. Yeah. So, it was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. Uh, some of us are in good shape, like fluff. Some of us, our bodies are breaking down a little bit. If that's you, you need to go see our friends at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley, both avid golfers, high-quality, individualized patient care at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Total complete spine care, Dr. Beecham does non-invasive, and the Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Visit thespinecliniconk.com located, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Sam, fire back. Did you just call in just to do a live read? Did you have like some sort of sixth sense that we were about to do the spine clinic ad read and, and you just called in? Yeah, Colby, we saw you tweeting about the food recommendations. What's uh, What are you eating up there on the East Coast? I'm sure you're on your lunch break with your busy schedule since you were able to call in. Fried egg, bacon, tomato burger. Where the hell do you get that at? Fried Kitchen? egg, bacon, tomato. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's gross. That That's horrible. That's just atrocious. No, yeah, I hung up. All right, we got to continue the show. I mean, that's just atrocious. Fried egg, bacon, tomato burger. Get out of here. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love messing with our guy, Colby Powell, while he's on vacation. And we had to continue the trend of having Colby call in without Colby knowing he's calling in. It's one of the best things that the Sydney Third Hole has ever done in the, in, the, in the history of our great organization that's been around for about a year and a half now. So we're going to keep going strong, though, baby. Well, let's go strong and continue talking about the 3M. Let's get down to our DraftKings lineups, T-Dub. Uh, and this week, like you said, there's some value in the middle of our lineups. And uh, – so, T-Dub, I'll, I'll let you start it off uh, after, I mean, I had a decent week last week uh, at the British Open. Uh, Louis really cost me by not winning. I would have been in the money if Louis won. Uh, but the guy who really cost me, I have five made cuts. My only missed cut was Patrick Reed. And so, you know, when you put Patrick Reed in your lineup and he plays bad, it's a win-win. That's why I put him in my DraftKings lineup because if he plays bad, you're happy. If he plays good, you're even more happy because he plays well on DraftKings and you win some money. Yeah, it's the ultimate hedge your bet situation because we definitely, unless it's the, the Ryder Cup with him and Bryson on the team like we have proposed as great captains as we are, then uh, that's the only time that we want to see him root. But let's jump into the DraftKings because, like you mentioned, Louis was not able to win too bad, so sad. That enabled me to end up getting the cash money. So I'll go ahead and lead us off this week. And so I'll go with my cheapest option, which allowed me, I mentioned there was some value in the middle, but I definitely went cheap because a couple of the big 
big names I really like. I took him a couple weeks ago, played well, made the cut. I think he's starting to get a little bit of form, missed the cut last week in the opposite field event, but I think he's going to be able to get it rolling this week. He finished 46th here last year for 6,100. Give me old Bob Gellerman, Sam. Bobby G. I like it. I like Michael Gellerman there. Uh, Hopefully he starts playing a little bit better golf, but it should be a course that fits his game pretty well. I think so. And also, do you notice that on on DraftKings now, for everyone that doesn't have pictures, they just have a a picture of their flag. Their flag. They put their flags on there. DraftKings is up in their game. Ryder Cup season. Instead of just getting people's pictures, which shouldn't be that hard to do, all you got to do is Google the name and you can just put a portrait on there. But uh, at least we know what country they're from when we're picking someone. All right. Well, I'm going to start there in the middle like I've been talking about. I'm going to start at 7,500 with a guy who's sneakily had three top tens on the year, 17 of 22 cuts, uh, stroke average of 70.4, and played well at the John Deere a couple weeks ago. I'm going with my man, Johnny Vegas. And so I think that Johnny Vegas, if he can get the putter hot, he's one of the best drivers on the PGA Tour of the golf ball. Uh, So Johnny Vegas at 7,500 is some good value to me. I agree. I almost ran with with Johnny Vegas. Yeah, go, go, we're going snake drafting. No, so, let's not do snake drafts. Since okay, we only got two. That's of a us. good. That's a good point. Yeah, screw snake drafting, Colby, <laughs> and what he wants to do. So, uh, I'll go with my next option, Sam. This is a guy who sneakily has made four straight cuts in a row. I was expecting him to be at the Open Championship. He must not have been able to qualify for him because he has a lot of success over there. Um, that's Tom Lewis, another young guy that doesn't get a whole lot of publicity. He's only 7000 this week, and I think that he's going to be make it to the weekend. So I'm able to get two guys 7000 and below that I think are going to make it to the weekend. So now I can get some of that middle value and top value, Sam. This is the ultimate best of both worlds. I like that. I like that. So I will go with 7700 a guy that I haven't put in any uh, one-and-done or DraftKings lineup so far this year. I'm going Lonto Griffin. He's had two top 10, 17 to 24 cuts, similar stats to Johnny Vegas, but where he's not similar to Johnny Vegas is he's actually uh, gaining .38 shots putting uh, on the field, and his strokes gained approach is actually surprisingly solid at .52, so gaining over a half a shot on the field per round strokes gain approach. So if he can hit it close and roll in some putts here at the 3M, I kind of like Lonto Griffin at 7,700. Yeah, Lonto is one of those guys to where he, if he gets, if he gets everything kind of clicking, he he can be one of the best. I would say probably thirty players in the world at some point. You know, if he if he can just get everything yeah. figured out, I think the highest he, that he's been is fiftieth or something in the world. But he's got a lot of talent. Kind of went through a miscut stretch there in the middle of the season, but has made four in a row, so he's starting to get it back. Yeah. And you know, he played well at the U.S. Open with uh, let's see, back to back sixty nines in round two and three, so that's nice. And then played well at the Rocket Mortgage a couple weeks ago so who's your next pick t-dub man uh, this is this is where we get into that middle value that we're talking about and i thought about this is this is the area where i thought about rolling with stricker but i've got a couple of other guys in this area that i like a little bit better and one of them at 7300 that's kyle stanley that's a guy who i'm trying to look back on it sam he has not missed a cut in since the rbc heritage and he has played in eight events since then so he's made uh i'm I'm sorry seven eight sounds better but uh, he's made seven straight cuts 
sets. So if the streak's going to break, it's going to break when I pick him. But he has been on on a roll. And just one second, I had a stat here, and I lost it like Colby did. So <laughs> let me make sure I find it real quick. Um, last year, he finished 32nd in this tournament. So we don't. that's one thing about this 3M, Sam. We don't have a whole lot of course history to go off of. Mm-hmm. But in the brief that we have, we can we can kind of pick and choose from that. And Kyle Stanley played well here last year when he wasn't playing as good as he is now. Yeah, so I will go uh, with a guy, another guy that I haven't put in my DraftKings lineup so far this year. But I think it's time to roll Chucky Three Sticks out there at 7,700. He played really well uh, at the John Deere a couple weeks ago. Uh, and if he can, you know, he's really good uh, off the tee. And then for some reason this year, he's having his worst strokes gained uh, approach year since. Let me look back here. I mean, in his career, in his career, the only time he ever lost strokes on gained approach other than last year uh, was in 2013. He has been positive in every single other year of his career. So if he can start hitting the irons a little better, and I think he was at the John Deere, his putting around the green and off the tee stats will be good enough to keep him going. Yeah, I mean, Chucky, you talk about one of the most underrated players of all time. I think he's up there, just doesn't have the trophies to to replicate it, but finished third here last year, so definitely knows how to get around the track. My next guy, another guy right at the exact same price as Stricker, but I went with him because I think he actually has a chance to win, and I would say my best bet of the week, Sam, is for this gentleman to finish inside the top 20 this week. Give me Joel Damon, 7,500. Okay, I I, kind of like that. I like him. He won at at Corrales Puticana earlier this year when it was opposite field event and even since then you would think oh we'll have a little bit of hangover uh, has made what is that one two three four uh, has made six of seven cuts since then with a uh, finished 46 last week at the open 21st week before at the rocket mortgage I think he's starting to get his game figured out he's kind of along with those other guys like we've mentioned earlier kind of a streaky player once he gets on rolls he starts to play good so having having made three straight cuts in a row I think that he's going to keep that going I really debated putting Stricker there I I think Stricker's more has a higher chance to make the cut. So I'll put it this way: Stricker has a higher floor than Damon, but I think Damon has a higher ceiling than, than okay. Stricker does. I like that. And then I will go with seventy-eight hundred Ryan Moore, who we also saw uh, play well in the John Deere. Actually, shot a sixty-five in round one, uh, gained four point one seven shots on the field in that round. Uh, you know, if I look at his stats on the year, he's pretty good off the tee, and then every other stat, he's about at zero. Uh, so so, you know, I can probably bank on him making the cut at a tournament like this, but I wouldn't necessarily bet on him to win. But what I am looking for from Ryan Moore in my DraftKings lineup is a made cut, and I think he can give it to me this week. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's he's starting to get his game around. I mean, one of the guys, one one of the best amateur careers of all time, Ryan Moore has, and people Absolutely. people tend to forget about that. One the NCAA, before the injury, yeah, exactly. Had the one the NCAA's pub links when it's still USAM. I mean, just won everything at Western AM. I mean, it was unbelievable. I think that was two thousand four when yep. it happened. So I'm jumping up now, Sam. People, I, I, well, real quick, okay. people forget that he actually for a while swung with that club, he would bring it up and then start his backswing. Yeah. Like, bring it up to his waist and then start the backswing. Yeah, it was very weird and everyone was kind of curious as to how it would work out. And Was I it think, a wrist injury I think it may have been? I th- with that swing, I would think that it would be yeah. a wrist because that would kind of lead to it. But even even throughout the course of his career, you look at it, he um, he's, ha- he's had his moments even with the with the injury. So hopefully, he's kind of a guy that, that I root for um, for an off-the-course standpoint. Now I'm getting Sam into the big dogs. This is where I was able to find that middle value so I can get with with the names that I think have a great chance to win this tournament. And 
I'll be honest with you, Sam. It hasn't happened yet. We're, um, well, it technically has happened on a, on a non-opposite field or, or on an opposite field event. But I think that along with my Joel Damon top 20, if I had to lay a little bit of coin, I think I'm betting Fina this week if I had to. Oh, really? And I think I'm going to roster him in my DraftKings definitely at uh, 10,700. His two appearances here, like I said, we don't have much course history, but he's finished 23rd and 3rd. So, I mean, obviously lo- loves the course, knows how to play it. And I think that he is, he is definitely due. I mean, obviously – he was struggling a little bit there, but finished 15th last week at the Open. And uh, before two straight missed cuts, had finished uh, 8, 20th, and, and then 30th. So he's a little bit off and on, but whenever he gets it going, he's he's really hard to beat. At, uh, or he's really hard to beat if you're not winning because he finished the second every week. But uh, I think this may be the week to watch out for Tony Fina. I think he has a chance to actually break that cycle. Okay, I, I kind of maybe agree with you right there, but I am going to go with a guy that Data, Golf's lo- Data Golf loves this week, uh, and I think the course really fits his game well, and it is my man, Doug Gim. Doug. And then we're going to find our best friend, Doug, and then we're going to give him our best friend hug. My man, Doug Gim at 7,900, one top 10, 17 of 24 cuts, kind of a cut-making machine this year, but Data Golf loves him this week at the 3M because of his strokes-gained approach on the season, 0.64 strokes-gained approach, positive on the field per round. If Doug can get that putter rolling, and I know I say that about a lot of guys, but Doug's really not that bad of a putter, only losing uh, .29 on the field. I mean, not great putter, but he can definitely have his hot weeks. And if I look back here, uh, you know, he had a really good round at the Charles Schwab, shot a 66. At the RBC, he had a really good round where he shot a 66. If we look all the way back to the Arnold Palmer, he played really well, had a 64. Five and a 67 in the Players' Championship, and then more recently uh, had a 66 and a 67 in the John Deere. So I think that Doug Gim's game is really trending in the right direction, and I think that it might actually be a best bet. Doug Gim, top 20, put the mortgage on it. The mortgage, you say? The mortgage. The mortgage. The mortgage is out. And I will say this about Doug. 214th in the world, but he's playing better than that. I mean, over his last five tournaments, has missed one cut, but has made four four of those five, two of which have been inside the top 20. And over his last three events, Sam, he's gone 54, 32nd, and 18th. So he's basically going up, up, up. So I would expect him to have a fairly decent week this week as well. So I'll go with my most expensive pick, Sam. And I'm a little skeptical with it, but it's just I didn't think of anyone else at the top that I, that I felt confident in. And doesn't have much good success here. Shot an 80 or whatever in the first round and then withdrew. But I see a little bit of good form. I think that his his play, just because he hasn't been winning, has under has underlighted the fact that he really isn't playing that bad. He's finished 10th, 19th, 25th, and 8th in his last four tournaments. That's Dustin Johnson, the most expensive guy on DraftKings. And I think, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Sam, if he plays his best golf, he's going to win the tournament by multiple strokes. And just as well as he may miss the cut. But I feel the same way about Louie and some of the other guys up there. Even a Patrick Reed is just, it's not a surefire bet. So if I'm able to find that middle value, I might as well load up on the guy that I think has his best chance to win the tournament if he's playing his best golf. I couldn't agree. Agree more, T Dub. I have nothing more to add to it. 
I have Dustin Johnson as well as my top pick in DraftKings this week. I think, you know, even though he is the most expensive player, there's a lot of middle value that you can, you know, have some 7,000 guys mixed with a DJ. And I think maybe win your draft pool this week. And then T-Dub, best bets this week. I just said bet the mortgage on Doug Gim finishing top 20. Everyone's probably going to lose their house. Yeah. Uh, and so, so what, you might, might as well go with 25 because you know he's going to finish 21st. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Uh, do you have any other best bets for me this week, T-Dub? Man, I'll tell you what. I, I, I've i mentioned uh, the Joe Damon and potentially laying a little bit on fee. Now, some of the guys that, because we mentioned that it's kind of the top four in the uh, top four guys in this field have kind of set separate themselves in the world with Louie, DJ Reed, and Finau. I think it'll be tough to find any good, good sustainable value on that. But like I said, if if DJ or Finau, if, if DJ plays well particularly, I think he could win. And I think Finau has that chance to break through. Maybe a Finau top five bet. Finau's if, plus 300. And plus, okay. to put that in perspective. Uh, That's D, three to one. Uh, no, sorry. That is top five finish. Oh, t- okay. Excuse me. I, I knew that was a little too high. But yeah, uh, go ahead. I, I got to pull up the... Uh, the odds to win, not yeah, top five. Yeah, but yeah, top five, if anyone was wondering, DJ's plus 175, uh, Louis plus 225, and Finau plus 300 along with Reed. Three to one on a Finau top five. That sounds like a lot, but I, I wouldn't count it out. Um, here, I mean, some of the other guys that uh, are analytics like Data Golf likes, uh, Grillo, Keegan Bradley, Sergio, Tringali, Stricker, Brendan Todd, your boy Doug Gim, uh, Bob McIntyre played well. Guy we had talked about, Bubba Watson. Um, he missed the cut here last year when he played, so I don't pick Bubba at a course that, that he hasn't had any proven success at. Um, any of those guys I'll list off there, Sam, do they stick out to you? I know you had a couple of them in your in your DraftKings, obviously Doug, but it, do yeah. any of them stick out to you? The one that does to me is maybe Tringali. Yeah, Tringali, Data Golf loves this week, you know, like you said. Um, you know, I kind of like Doug Gim this week. I just I know he's my guy, but I really have a feeling. I had a feeling a couple weeks ago and it didn't happen, so Normally, when I have a feeling about a guy, he goes out, plays like crap, and then plays better the next time he tees it up. So I'm hoping that's what happens with Doug Gim. By the way, the odds to win DJ at plus seventy five, uh, plus seven hundred and fifty. Uh, Louis at plus fourteen hundred. Uh, you have Tony Finau at plus 1,600, Reed at plus 2,000, Brian Harmon, a guy that we didn't put in our DraftKings lineups, at plus two, at plus 3,000. Uh, and then it drops down to guys like Maverick McNeely, Cameron Davis, Sergio Garcia you can get at 3,300 as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like maybe... Uh, uh, Matt Wolf at plus 3,300. Uh, we didn't mention Matt Wolf yet. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm trying to find my guy Doug Gim here on odds to win. You can get him at plus 6,000. So 60 to 1. 60 to 1. That's not bad. Not bad. I'm rolling not bad. with my guy Doug Gim. That, that's worth that. that's worth at least a uh, a ten dollar bill I would think. Uh, you know, if to pay six hundred bucks, why not? And you mentioned Wolf. I'm gonna bring him up because. We'll lead straight into the one and done. I'm 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 rolling with him. I unfortunately only of the of the four big names that we've mentioned, the only one I have left in the one and done is DJ, and I'm saving him for a particular tournament coming up. And I just I look at some of the other guys around there that I think may be highly picked. I mean, I'm not sold on Grillo. I'm not sold on a Keegan Bradley, even a Tringali. I'm not 120 percent set on, even though he's been playing good and has played well here, finished third here last year. He would probably be my second pick if I had to make one. 
But but Sam, I'm rolling with Matt Wolf. I mean, he's fin- he had his breakthrough win here and finished 12th. And I think that he's kind of starting to get a little bit back on track. That T15 at the U.S. Open when he came back, I think, was big for him. And hopefully he's able to propel a little bit more success because I think Wolf is in that DJ category of... It would not, I mean, I'd be a little surprised, I guess, but it wouldn't shock me if Wolf went out and won by five shots. Yep. You know, he has that talent. And uh, so, no, I don't, I don't disagree. And I just, I, I think that he has the potential to win more than a Tringali or a Keegan Bradley or even a Joel Damon, like I mentioned earlier. And I, I look at it from a perspective of the person this tournament, since our one and done is based off of money, winner will get about $1.2 million, So that's a little bit lower in comparison to the playoff events and the uh, the WGC FedEx St. Jude that we have coming up. So that's another reason why I, I'm holding back on a DJ or one of those bigger names. But I'm... I, I think Wolf is is a great as is coming back around and also too with only a ten picks left or whatever it is. I'm not sure where else I'd use him at. So I, I think and I, and first and twelfth in the only two times he played. So if he just does around that, just average that out, sixth place, that'd be pretty good. So that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad. But, but I, I would I would like a win better. Yeah. Hey, T W. And he's and he's got one of the best caddies on tour. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. My man Nick Heinen from Edmond North High School. And so. uh by the way, did I pick? I know I had Justin Thomas in my one and done last week. Did I put Louie in there as my first guy in the one and done? Do you remember? I can't remember. So I can't I'll, remember I'll say either. that you did because he finished high. I think you did. Well, I know I had him in my DraftKings. I just can't remember. I've slept since then. Uh, and, and, and Colby has it him. on. And his, Colby on, has all of my one and done on his computer. For all of our people out there listening, next year we won't have to worry about this because Sam, you joined our show about a month after the season started, and everything is kept on our one and done site. So it's so easy to look up what me and Colby have and who we picked. Colby has to keep yours on an Excel spreadsheet, and so when he's gone, yeah. We have a hard time looking up. So we will not have this problem next year, Sam. Yeah, so let's play rule, what is it, 2-2 two two or whatever? <laughs> let's play, let's play, play two play balls. Two, play two balls. All right, so if, I, a didn't, rolling when we're if I didn't pick Louie last week, I may have, I can't really remember. I'm going with Louie in my one and done. But if I did pick Louie last week, I am going to roll uh, with Cameron Tringali. I, I haven't picked Tringali yet on the year. You just talked about him. He has a 2.5% chance uh, to win this 3M. And so I, and you know, I really like his current form. Like you said, at the Open Championship, played some pretty solid golf. And then if I look all the way back, you know, to the Valero Texas Open, played well. And so I think I'm going to roll with Cameron Tringali, one of the better putters so far this year on the PGA Tour. So. T-Dub, do you have anything else to add? I think uh, we had a great show with Woody and and the fire alarm's still still at it in the background. I'm sorry if you guys can hear that. Uh, and then, you know, we had the State Am. Do we have a State Am update? We might do that to end yeah, the show. Yeah, let, let me do that. I actually do have a couple more questions for you, Sam, before we get out of here. Um, but I will Oh, and, and we got a big one that we didn't talk about yet. What's we that? got wrapped up in the 3M. We haven't talked about our guy Taylor Moore. Oh, my. How did we not? We, we, we kind of talked a little bit about it with Woody, but we definitely didn't get full extent. Moved him up to, I believe, sixth in, in the rankings. Yep. And so, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, State Am real quick. Um, Dylan Teeter won six and five. Jake Bay won three and two. So, they they will both play each other at 8 a.m. tomorrow. The other two matches are tied with one hole and two left to go, respectively. Um, Austin, Hannah, and Caden Armstrong are tied along with... 
Trace Hill and Luke Phillips. So, I mean, that's okay. uh, those are some pretty good matches. I kind of wish we were up there to watch it, in all honesty. Yep. Um, but going back to Taylor Moore, he actually went on with uh, your dad, the Huntman, yesterday at 10 o'clock, yep. um, right after uh, Colby did as well. And it, it was just awesome to hear. You could kind of tell how excited uh, Taylor was for this opportunity. But he even alluded to it where he's, he's in six, but every single spot matters going forward. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he could win one of those, I don't know, I don't know if it would bump him up to one, but let's just say he wins one of the three playoff events. I mean, if he gets inside the top five or if he, hell, just get number one. I mean, that gets you, you can get any PJ Tour event you want next year if you win all this. So, I mean, yep. there, there's, even though he's got that son of a buck secure and it's kind of like the uh, the Quade Cummings effect where he was in college for PJ Tour U and we were, he, he pretty much had no pressure because he already had Canadian Tour status. Right. So, he was able to go along. Unfortunately, he finished six, but now he's got a tour start this week. Yep. And we didn't even talk about that. So, two, To finish up on Taylor Moore, could not be happier for him. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. One of the greatest families you'll ever meet, too. Couldn't be happier for him. His his dad, um, Rod Moore, and his... uh uh, Mom, Melanie. I mean, just great people, and uh, so just c- congrats to the more to all the Moors. But um, I'm, what do you think of Quaid and Austin this week? Both both in the field. We hadn't talked to him. Yeah, talked I mean, him. if you want to throw kind of not a sleeper out there because you know they've played some big time tournaments lately. You know, we talk about how big, uh, how busy their May was. You know, with not only the Walker Cup, but the National Championship, Big 12s. They had uh, just a bunch of golf there in a short time span. And now, uh, like I talked to Austin on the Golf Oklahoma Radio Hour a couple weeks ago, and he goes, I'm playing for my ninth week in a row. I went from, you know, playing all those college tournaments to playing the Walker Cup to playing the NCAAs, then to start his pro career. You know, he had to have been worn out. Uh, and then, you know, starting, had two Corn Ferry starts, and then, you know, this is his second uh, or third, third PGA Tour start. I know he played in the Travelers and then the Rocket Mortgage, and now he's playing in the 3 And he had the one back in the fall last year. Or right, winter, right. So but today. I meant but since he turned since he's pro. A pro. Yep, yep. yep, exactly. Uh, and then for Quake, this is huge for Quake Cummins. I'm glad that he got this sponsor's exemption into the 3M because, you know, it, it's really tough finishing in that sixth spot, especially when you saw how some of the guys were uh, playing above him on that PGA Tour U. Uh, standings, I think that Quaid probably, you know, deserved at least a spot on the Corn Ferry Tour, but hopefully he goes out, finishes top 10 this week. I would love to see a Quaid Cummins uh, maybe break out kind of like a Matt Wolf. What if Quaid just goes out there and wins this week? I would love to see it. That'd be huge for the Bo- Burley Boys brand. Well, yeah, we'll we'll be throwing a party if that happens, so for <laughs> sure. All right, so Sam, two questions I want to ask you. We don't have to dive too much into this, but I just want your take on it. I am going completely against the analytics with my Matt Wolf pick. Data Golf is just totally against Matt Wolf. He's behind the likes of Shadoshi Kadaira, J.D. Poston, Eric Van Royen, Stott Stallings, well, Patrick Rogers. Why do you think that is? Well, it's obvious. It's because, you know, he took all the time off for, you know, the mental health problems and everything, and I think he's finally got it back, and, and we've seen him play some solid golf. I mean, he played well in the U.S. Open. I, I don't think uh, that you need to worry uh, about Matt Wolf. You know, and, and data golf just factors in numbers, and so it doesn't factor in, like, like we always talk about with Matt Wolf, it, it, it's 
it's really hard for a guy that young to go onto the PGA Tour and just be, you know, instantly a superstar. It wears on you. You have to tell a lot of people no. You have to, you know, practice every day, and it, and it wears on you. And then you have to travel, and you're traveling, and you don't have anyone to travel with that's your age. Everyone's way older in a different part of life. And uh, and so hopefully, you know, Data Golf is wrong this week. I will tell you that. I say that, you know, Matt Wolf has a lot more value than Data Golf has given him credit for just because it doesn't factor in the human element i completely agree i just think that someone who finished top 15 in the second to last or the last major he played in because he didn't play in the open and uh has won here and finished 12th and the only two times playing and to be that devalued is bad so my last question for you sam because he's two spots behind jt poston and i don't know did you see the uh Barbasol, is that what it was, or Barracuda? I get it mixed Barbasol. up. Barbasol. Barbasol. Did you see what happened to JT Poston on the 16th or 17th? I got to admit, I didn't watch any more golf after waking up at 3 a.m. the rest of the whole week. <laughs> I was golfed out, so I did not watch the end okay, of the Barbasol. Okay, so, so essentially... For anyone who didn't see it, JT Poston ended up losing to Seamus Power on, I think, the fifth or sixth hole of a playoff. But on the 16th or 17th hole, it's slipping my mind at the moment, that he hit it left on a hole, and it was one of those situations where there's no fence, there's no anything, there's just out-of-bounds stakes. And they literally take the string out, I mean the little microfiber string, as thin as it can be, <laughs> to set it down, and they connect it. And his ball is a half of an inch left of the line, oh, and he can't no. play. So he's deemed, he has to go back and re-tee, essentially. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously you didn't see it, but just based off, based off of what I said, he could have obviously hit the ball just as easily as he could. He can see his ball. There's there's no penalty, essentially, where he's at. The only thing is he's technically on someone else's property by half an inch. I mean, I just, I'm... There's it, got it, just, the line, it bothers me so much when that it's happens. It's close, it's close, but the line has to be drawn somewhere, T-Dub, and if it's out of bounds, it's out of bounds. But can we not just let the man drop right there with a stroke penalty? Well, I mean, I've always said that the out-of-bounds rule is too much of a penalty. You know, I, I, I think that you should be able to drop up there every single time unless it's just obvious. Like, you know, I, I think that, you know, especially on like a lateral hazard or even, you know, uh, or whatever they call it now, penalty area. Penalty you know, area, yeah. I, ref- line, I, I refuse line. to use your, pro- your yeah. nouns, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I, I think that, it would be a better rule for golf if there wasn't such a huge penalty for out of bounds, but there is, and the line has to be drawn somewhere. And from what you're telling me, it sounds like it was just really bad luck. Yeah, or in this case, the line has to be pulled because yeah. we have a string, and it, it was it was crazy. So for anyone What's who that old. Big break thing. Pull that tape tight. Yeah. <laughs> Pull it tight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, inches, inches. Get it tight. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I thought that that was, first of all, it was heartbreaking for, for me and the one and done because a lot of more people had power. It wasn't the biggest purse. But I just I felt bad for JT Post just because, like I said, Sam, I completely disagree with that rule, and I hope they get rid of it soon. Oh, yeah. I don't think they ever will, though. Mandatory uh, stroke and distances should not be a thing. Yeah, it's it's such a big penalty, uh, you know, hitting your third off the tee box. But that's the greatness of golf. I mean, you know, you got to put it in play. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here saying that Poston got screwed or saying that his ball was in bounds. It, it was out of bounds by half an inch. But it's just the fact you can see your ball and hit your ball and you got to go back to the tee for the two-shot penalty on the 70th or 71st hole of the tournament with all this status on the line, it just it really bothers me. That's why golf is the greatest game but also the most frustrating game in the world. I think we'll end it there, T-Dub. It was 
great talking to you. We hope that Colby is having a great vacation. The vacation man, I will be gone on vacation in August, so I'm sure y'all will have fun with me like I have fun with Colby uh, on these phone calls from Colby. Uh, so anyways, uh, go ahead, do us a favor, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram, and then go to golfoklahoma.org. I'm sure they have a bunch of great stuff up right now, uh, about the state. Am I saw the stories this morning, not only on the state am, but on Taylor Moore as well. You can catch up on all your local golf news at golfoklahoma.org and also, uh, see us right there on the front page you can listen to the show right there at golfoklahoma.org so uh for colby powell and taylor williams this has been sam humphreys and the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma but again with the driver right now the driver sucks drove the ball great love my driver 